Thank you for watching NTD Business tonight. Coming up, collapsed crypto firm FTX donated big time to this year's midterms, trying to gain influence in Washington. We take a look at where the money went. New York wants to lead the way in so-called green initiatives by regulating the crypto industry. And violent protests erupt at the world's largest iPhone factory. We show you footage captured at the scene. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Don Mike here. At Twitter HQ, Elon Musk finds a closet full of t-shirts that have the words stay woke on them. In a Twitter video he posted, Musk can be heard saying, we're here at the merchandise thing and there's an entire closet full of hashtag woke t-shirts. Someone off camera is heard laughing while saying that it's a secret closet. The shirts apparently date back to 2016 and were made to support the Black Lives Matter movement. The video has garnered over 18 million views. Elon Musk today also responded to a tweet saying the recently collapsed crypto exchange FTX and its former CEO Bank Bankman-Fried don't own any shares in Twitter. And speaking of FTX, we have more details on its political involvement. FTX poured tens of millions of dollars into both political parties this year before it went bankrupt. In fact, FTX was the third largest donor in this year's midterm elections. Founder Sam Bankman-Fried gave nearly $40 million to mainly Democratic candidates and liberal groups. He was the Democratic Party's second largest donor, only behind George Soros. At the same time, his co-founder, Ryan Salem, donated about $23 million to Republicans and conservative groups. That's according to the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. It used data from Open Secrets. So what was all that money for? A former FTX employee who's familiar with its lobbying efforts told the Epoch Times, a big portion of the donations was used to push pro-crypto legislation. While Bankman-Fried did give over $200,000 to Republicans, the majority, about $27 million, went to the Protect Our Future PAC. The group invested in Democratic primaries. His co-CEO, on the other hand, put $15 million into his super PAC, which backed crypto-friendly Republicans. Some politicians on both sides of the aisle who accepted FTX donations have already promised to give away the money. New York Governor Kathy Hochul wants to put an end to crypto mining in New York, attempting to put a dent in the amount of carbon-based power sources it uses. NTD Star Marshall has more. New York Governor Kathy Hochul signed a law on Tuesday that bans certain Bitcoin mining operations that run on carbon-based power sources. For the next two years, if a proof-of-work mining company doesn't use 100% renewable energy, it won't be allowed to expand or renew permits, and newcomers won't be allowed to come online. The topic was debated during the recent elections for governor with starkly opposing opinions. This has nothing to do with whether or not we embrace the cryptocurrency industry in this our city. This is a specific kind of cryptocurrency, energy intensive. Yeah, and we focus on making sure that, they're, that they have green facilities, that they're not using that kind of utilities. Will you, if you were governor, would you sign a cryptocurrency narrow moratorium like this one? No, I, I wouldn't, and we shouldn't be picking winners and losers in business. And you see it right now getting played out as far as, you know, they're, they're raising, donating money for, for my opponent trying to curry favor. Uh, listen, the reality is on the merit, we should level the playing field. Stop picking winners based on political connections. Okay. I spoke with someone embedded in the crypto industry for his point of view. In general, right, it's, it's a bit early 
to be limiting uh, the potential of this technology, right? We're, we're talking about, uh, you know, a, a potentially new uh, form of currency, and it's only 10 years old. You know, the, um, when we look at reserve currencies in the past, we're looking at 100-year timeframes, uh, and to really strike into the heart of Bitcoin itself, um, that's, that's going to put a damper on the potential possibilities that Bitcoin has for, for people in general. The Chamber of Digital Commerce wrote in a statement, the approval will set a dangerous precedent in determining who may or may not use power in the New York State. Sean Marshall, NTD News. And some new insights on central bankers' upcoming plans to raise interest rates. Minutes from the Fed's latest meeting out today, most policymakers think it would be soon appropriate to slow the pace of interest rate hikes. The Fed raised interest rates by three-quarters of a percentage at the last meeting. A popular barometer, the CME FedWatch tool, predicts the next rate hike will likely be half a percent. There also seems to be growing concerns within the Fed about how raising rates too fast could hurt the economy, although they still agree rates still need to go higher. New data out today shows U.S. business activity contracted for a fifth straight month in November. Still, the stock market celebrated the news that the Fed could slow down rate hikes. Stocks ended with solid gains. The Dow added 96 points or three-tenths of a percent. S&P rose 24 points or six-tenths of a percent. NASDAQ gained 111 points or one percent. This might be a sign of cracks in the labor market. The number of Americans looking for work is on the rise. First-time weekly claims for unemployment increased to 240,000 last week according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. That's a hike of 17,000 compared to the week before, and it's slightly higher than what economists had predicted. And there may soon be a more significant jump in unemployment. A number of large companies, including some high-profile tech companies, have begun mass layoffs. And speaking of tech layoffs, HP is downsizing. The company announced Tuesday it will lay off thousands of workers over the next three years. HP is the latest tech company to announce major cuts as concerns about the economy grow. The computer maker also disclosed its quarterly earnings dropped 11% compared to a year ago. HP has a global workforce, about 51,000 employees, and it expects to reduce it by 4,000 or 6,000 workers by 2025. If you have student federal loans, you won't have to resume payments on January 1st next year. That's because the Biden administration is extending the pause. Here's what President Biden had to say about it yesterday. I'm completely confident my plan is legal. But right now, it's on hold because of these lawsuits. The Secretary of Education is extending the pause on student loan payments while we seek relief from the courts, but no later than June 30, 2023. Payments will resume 60 days after the pause ends. The pause has been already extended six times. Loan payments were first put on hold by the Trump administration in early 2020. That was a relief effort due to the pandemic. Biden's student debt relief program means to cancel hundreds of billions of dollars in loans, but it's facing several court battles. A federal judge struck it down and appeals court is blocking it while a separate case plays out. The Justice Department is asking the Supreme Court to allow Biden's plan to take effect amid the legal challenges. The high court says it wants to hear from plaintiffs by today. 
The pause will last until the Supreme Court decides the case or until June 30th, whichever comes first. Interest rates will remain at 0% until repayments start. The big Avatar sequel has successfully gotten into the Chinese market. Disney's Avatar, The Way of Water, will be on China's silver screens starting December 16th. Hollywood's relationship with China has been very controversial over the years. It's no secret that studios want the massive Chinese market. This is especially true for The Way of Water. The director James Cameron told GQ the movie was extremely expensive to make. He even called it the worst business case in movie history. So, in order to make money doing business with China may be important. Film producer and analyst Paula Landry says China's box office is huge. She believes filmmakers can no longer sell just in North America. They have to rely on the entire world, and China is a key market. It has to do with the movie industries uh, aligning and keeping the door open between China and Hollywood. I believe that China understands, you know, that... Disney and these spectacle movies are something that their native audiences definitely want and that honestly Hollywood needs China. The factor of being shown in China or not is actually a higher stakes game than it ever was before. But of course, the Chinese regime is known through many credible reports of ethnic genocide, technology theft and modern day slavery of being an authoritarian police state, making people disappear, killing Americans with fentanyl, and violently persecuting the Falun Dafa spiritual practice. These things have been happening for a very long time, but have only recently received mainstream attention. So, Disney doesn't look good when it's publicly doing business with China. And it's very difficult to get your movie into China as well. The country has a very small quota of movies it allows in. It also inspects every film very thoroughly to make sure they all meet its own subjective standards. For example, Back to the Future is banned because it contains time travel. Alice in Wonderland banned because of its strangeness and unscientific elements. The biblical film Noah banned because it depicts prophets. The film Christopher Robin is also banned for no official reason apparently. Could be because Winnie the Pooh is in the movie. China banned Winnie the Pooh after people noted that Chinese Communist Party leader Xi Jinping has a strong resemblance to the character. And as for Avatar The Way of Water, Landry believes it was let in for special reasons to help China with its own ambitions. We've seen with the movies that China is making now, they strive for these giant, spectacular movies that are large in scope, they're big budgets, they're special effects they're you know wonderful and they're going to use this film avatar the way of water as almost a case study where they can see how the film is made how it's put together to gauge audiences reaction to the film how it will do in the marketplace and with bob Iger back as disney ceo it's likely disney will continue doing business with china Iger once told CNBC that he spent 17 years working on developing their relationship and that he's engaged with three Communist Party leaders, a few premiers, a few vice premiers, a few party secretaries, and five or six mayors. 
He once said he flies there every year to foster the relationship. Iger will speak to Disney employees Monday at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. It's unclear, though, if he will discuss China. And moving on, employees at the world's biggest Apple iPhone factory have been beaten and detained as massive protests erupted today. The rare scenes of open dissent in China mark an escalation of unrest at the massive factory. NTD's Colin Fredrickson has more. Violent protests erupt at the world's largest iPhone factory, Foxconn. On Tuesday night and Wednesday, workers clashed with security forces at the factory in Zhengzhou, China. Online videos show hundreds of employees took part in the protest. The trigger for the protests appeared to be over delayed bonus payments, employee benefits, and living conditions under China's zero-COVID curbs. As part of the zero-COVID policy, employees are living on-site at their workplace with no outside contact. The factory employs more than 200,000 people and has been under strict virus controls for weeks. Online footage shows workers chanting, give us our pay. Others were chanting, defend our rights, defend our rights and Foxconn never treats humans as humans. Several workers were injured. One person was hit on the head with a club, and another was taken away with his arms held behind his back. Another video showed a group of around a dozen police surrounding one man and beating him to the ground with sticks. Foxconn said in a statement it had fulfilled its payment contracts. The company added that regarding any violence, the company will continue to communicate with employees and the government to prevent similar incidents from happening again. Foxconn is Apple's biggest iPhone maker, accounting for 70% of iPhone shipments globally. It makes most of the phones at the Zhengzhou plant, though it has other smaller production sites in India and southern China. People familiar with the matter told Reuters that with the unrest, it's certain that the factory cannot resume normal production by month's end. Wait times for iPhones are rising to nearly the longest they've ever been. According to Apple's website, customers in the U.S. who placed an order today would get an iPhone 14 Pro delivered in New York in January next year. Colin Fredrickson, NTD News. Chinese media outlets report that China has begun to recruit military and Chinese Communist Party members to work at the Foxconn factory to help with production. Oil prices down about 4% or more than $3 a barrel today. Investors are keeping an eye on the G7 talks about a price cap plan for Russia. The price cap is part of sanctions to punish Russia for its invasion of Ukraine. The goal is to slash Moscow's revenue from its oil exports so that it has less money to finance the war. The U.S. and allies are mulling a price cap of $65 to $70 per barrel for Russian seaborne oil. A European official said the plan has the support of most EU countries, with the exception of Poland and Hungary. The price cap will make it difficult for Russia to sell its oil. But Russian President Vladimir Putin said the plan could end up hurting poor countries instead. If prices on oil from Russia or other countries are limited and artificial price caps are introduced, it will inevitably worsen the investment climate in the global energy sector. This will then lead to a global shortage of energy resources and their cost will increase. And this, I repeat, will hit the poorest states. Oil is Russia's largest export item, representing about 10 percent of the world's supply. And the bailout for German utility Uniper looks to get a whole lot more expensive. 
Today, the firm said it could need another 25 billion euros, or close to 26 billion dollars. That would take the total cost to around 53 billion dollars. Uniper is the largest corporate casualty of Europe's energy crisis. It nearly collapsed after Russia's Gazprom, its biggest supplier, cut off gas flows. That led to the firm posting a record net loss and forced Berlin to nationalize it. The firm then saw hope in a promised gas levy meant to help importers bear the additional costs. However, Berlin later scrapped the levy plan, leaving Uniper again needing more aid. Investors are due to vote on the whole bailout package on December 19th. It will also need approval from watchdogs in Brussels. Uniper says it's in talks with the European Commission and expects a green light before their shareholders vote. And we're going to take a short break, but if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. Still to come, actor Ice Cube losing out on millions of dollars because of the COVID-19 vaccine mandate. What happened? And the cost of Thanksgiving dinner is soaring. We hear from farmers to find out how and why prices are going up. That and more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. Ice Cube lost millions of dollars because he refused to get the COVID-19 vaccine. According to Variety magazine, the rapper and actor announced on the million dollars worth of game podcast that he was dropped from a movie because he didn't want to get the shot. There were reports last year that Sony dropped Cube from Oh Hell No because of his vaccination status. Cube says the role was for $9 million. But he says he didn't need the shot and he never got infected with COVID. And what do solar arrays, dwarf tomato seeds, and pumpkin pie have in common? Well, they're all part of the payload for SpaceX's 26 commercial resupply mission set to launch this weekend. The Dragon spacecraft was first slated to lift off to the International Space Station Tuesday from NASA's Kennedy Space Center. That launch was scrubbed because of bad weather. It's now scheduled for a Saturday afternoon. The solar arrays for the ISS will be installed outside the floating laboratory during spacewalks. The arrays will give the space station more power. The astronauts will use the seeds to grow tomatoes and study plant nutrition cultivation on board the ISS. It's part of an ongoing study of how to provide continuous fresh, per- fresh food production in space. And as for the pumpkin pie, it's part of a load of Thanksgiving-style treats for the crew. And consumers have felt it at the grocery store. Shopping for Thanksgiving dinner this year is a lot more expensive than last. Now, it's easy to just blame inflation, but the farmers who put the food on the Thanksgiving table face multiple market mechanics. Our next story takes us to the farm to see how it all adds up for them and for you. 
Behind every green and bean from the Carranza family farm is a lengthy to-do list. Between the seed and the table, there's a lot that goes on. Jennifer Carranza pitches in all over these 10 acres in Camarillo, California, including running the numbers. So she knows how much the cost of growing vegetables and flowers for five farmers markets has gone up recently. From seed and water supply to gas to transport goods for sale and labor. It's a lot of meticulous work, a lot of repetitive movement of harvesting these, whether it's a bean, if it's a radish, a carrot. An annual survey by the American Farm Bureau finds the cost of a traditional Thanksgiving dinner will be 20% higher this year than last. Their survey of 11 ingredients to make a meal for a party of 10 saw the overall cost increase to $64.05 from $53.31 in 2021. Farmers facing multiple economic pressures. You go to the grocery store to feed your family, your price has gone up. My family is 20,000 turkeys. So exponentially, my, my grocery bill has gone up. At the Shonuff Turkey Farm in Fulton, Maryland, owner Chris Borer says the cost of feeding 20,000 birds at his family operation and the labor for maintaining them through a busy summer into fall are his biggest budget inputs. People expect to make more to do the same jobs because their groceries are costing more. So the cycle is just continuous. Last year, someone talked to me and said, this will be the most expensive Thanksgiving ever. That was last year until we got to this year. Shonoff raises the same numbers of turkeys each year, but different sizes, anticipating what customers will demand. The past couple years with the pandemic, people were having smaller gatherings, so we sold a lot of 10 to 14 pound turkeys. We've seen a lot of the people now raising to like a 14 to 18 pound turkey, because I believe they're going to have more people at their gatherings. And larger birds need more feed. Still, Boer says it's all worth it when families come back every Thanksgiving, and Carranza says it's an honor to set the table for so many feasts. It makes us happy to know that it'll be feeding someone and it'll make someone happy. And in Australia, a school is teaching teenagers farming skills. The students learn to grow crops and care for cattle, preparing them for careers in the agriculture industry. NTD's Andrew Thomas has more on the program. There isn't a mobile device or a screen in sight. Here, the farm is the classroom, and there's a lot to learn. It's like a totally different environment to like your normal side of the school. Like it just feels completely different. Like obviously there's still rules and stuff that you've got to do, but it's just it's so much fun. These students are part of the Rural Industries School of Excellence at a high school about two and a half hours north of Brisbane in Australia. It's a catch-all for us to, to get those kids that are passionate, they've got an interest in agriculture and giving us uh, an avenue to get those kids out, identify them, look after them, and really provide them with more opportunities. Gimpy High has two farms, spread over 60 acres. The agriculture students are involved in growing commercial quantities of crops, which are sold throughout Queensland. We're fairly sport and we can do our horticulture at scale, we can do our cattle at a, at a small scale, but it's enough that, you know, it, it's more than one or two cows sitting in a paddock. The students here have a lot of options. The whole point of the program is to give them the opportunity to explore. Some are drawn to cattle work, while others are interested in crops or maybe machinery. By working on the farm, they gain first-hand experience. These young people could be the future of farming. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. And that's all the stories we have today from the NTD business team and myself, Don Ma. You can follow me on Twitter too if you're there. 
If you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. That's all for today. Thank you for watching and happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you Friday.